Welcome to Ag Annex Talks, a podcast brought to you by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. Join the teams behind Top Crop Manager, Potatoes in Canada, Fruit and Vegetable, Manure Manager, and Canadian Poultry Magazines for compelling conversations with some of the most important voices in Canadian agriculture. The Water Table, a Princeco Education Initiative, is proud to sponsor this podcast as part of its mission to enrich the industry through education. Learn more at watertable.ag. That's watertable.ag. Welcome back to our continued series on the Groundbreakers. I'm your host, drainage contractor editor Bree Rohde. For this week's episode, we turn to Jeremy Miners, VP of Water Management at Agram. Jeremy's background is highly varied. He grew up on his family farm in Illinois, driving tractors and lending a hand where he could. But he also went down a path toward academia, eventually obtaining his PhD at Washington University. His combined interest in farming for good and maintaining strong conservation practices led him to take on a position with Agram. There, he combines his intense passion for drainage and design technology with hands-on, intimate discussions with contractors and farmers. Let's hear more on Jeremy's story in his own words. All right, so normally I start out by asking people how you got into the drainage or water management industry, but I know that Agram is a family business. So can you tell me a little bit about how you developed your own interest in the business and how you work to kind of grow your knowledge and grow into your role at Agram? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, So just a little bit of a background on Agram. It started off as a software company that my father started in the early 80s, Um, but he also worked in agriculture. So our family was associated with the M&W gear company and uh, farming related with that, uh, particularly on the experimental end. Uh, So when computers first began to become popular or started coming out in the 1980s, he started uh, a software company, Agram in order to write software for uh, farmers. One of our contractors, or one of his uh, clients back then was also a tile contractor, and GPS had just come out, and that's when he started developing the uh, software that really developed into our design software. Um, and that, that was started in 1993. But growing up on a you know farm, uh, me and my three brothers, we always were associated with the family's work. So I grew up, of course, driving tractors, driving trucks in the field, picking up rocks, you know, what farm kids do. Uh, and I was very familiar with what he was doing, uh, computers, etc., cetera, uh, agriculture, drainage. Uh, that was, it was very exciting. Uh, but at the same time, when I went to college, uh, I didn't exactly think at that point in time I wanted to come back and work in agriculture. There's, I know there's a lot of folks that are that way. Yeah. So after my undergraduate work, I went on to graduate school. Uh, I got my PhD at Washington University in St. Louis. And it was in my last year that I started thinking about what type of career I wanted to follow afterwards. The general path for most folks going through Washington University uh, was to go into academia. And so that was definitely, you know, the standard option. But I wanted to do something that I, I felt, at, at least at that point in time, that academia didn't, doesn't always necessarily make the biggest impact in this world. And uh, my father and his company, Agram, had recently developed the method for designing sub irrigation systems and controlled drainage systems on rolling topography. I found that 
really exciting in the notion that uh, it's it's a type of solution that can handle two different aspects that are very important for the world. The first being uh, kind of this call that we have in agriculture to feed the world. And the fact that there's going to be so many more people, how are we going to increase production so that there's plenty of food for everyone, plenty of caloric intake? Um, <clears throat> that's one. But then, then there's also the conservation end of it as well. What type of technologies can we use to produce food, but also can help the environment at the same time? And to me, controlled drainage and sub-irrigation, the ability to spread that throughout the Midwest and the world, that seemed to me to be a greater impact uh, for my life in terms of what I do than if I just went into academia and write papers. Not to say that's not important, but to me, that decision, it just seemed thrilling. And to top it off, I get to uh, live on a farm and uh, work with my father too. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, that's an interesting path. I had no idea that was kind of the path that you took to all this. Yep. And uh, I, I joined Agram 13 years ago. Great. And now, of course, um, many of our uh, our readers and listeners know that you uh, have spoken with us uh, here on Drainage Contractor as part of our uh, Drainage Innovation webinar series. Um, and you've spoken a lot about design, layout, controlled drainage, spacing. Um, what about the aspect of design and kind of, uh, of the overall design aspect of drainage systems? What kind of continues to excite you about that day after day? Okay, so this this is definitely something I work day after day in. Um, so I do not believe that drainage design is static in the sense that, you know, there's always just been one way to do it and there aren't methods to improve it. Um, I'm always thrilled about with folks different ways to lay out, etc. Uh, their field able to combine surface and subsurface systems. However, I think the most exciting portion of my job when it comes to design is finding a new soil type that I have not explored before. And so there's over a thousand soil types out there and I've worked with so many of them, but now and then, uh, particularly if you get into these glacial erratic areas where there's a hundred different soil types on a field, it's kind of the process of investigating and finding out how one particular soil might drain differently than the one right next to it, and then working on the solution in order to, you know, make sure that we can improve that field according to what the farmer or the contractor wants. That sounds really cool. Um, and now, I know that living on a farm uh, is part of it, but what are some of the other really good ways throughout your career that you'd say you've immersed yourself and kind of gone beyond your nine to five to uh, un better understand the industry? Oh, well, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so early on, I worked very closely with contractors to the point that um, I would, you know, install pipe with their plow. Most of the time I found myself in the ditch, learning the best way to make connections um, to the point that my father even said, Jeremy, if I see you get into that ditch again, I'm not gonna send you out for these projects anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So I am definitely a hands-on individual when it comes to being on the field site. Uh, another aspect that for years we worked solely with drainage contractors. So people that did it professionally, 
that about nine, eight, eight, eight or nine years ago, I don't, I'm not 100% sure on that, we began to start working with farmers that were installing their own pipe to see how it would go. And uh, one particular farmer of mine that I still talk to, seems like every other day, uh, lives only about an hour away from where I uh, live. We, we were gonna work with him from beginning to end to see if whether or not we could teach folks how to install pipe and do it correctly. Uh, so I've been out on his farms to the point that I know them handed, just, just I know his farms better than you know the back of my hand. <laughs> so we walked the ditches, we, we've experimented on different systems, uh, we're just right there on his farm with his equipment and discussed how it, how it works, uh, you know, beginning to end. So really getting out there is a, is a big aspect of keeping it definitely in the industry. Also, of course, is research. There's, uh, I, I do have a PhD. Uh, I have no problem reading uh, research papers, and I love a lot of the work that's coming out right now in terms of uh, water management Guy, from guys like Chris Hay and uh, Kelly Nelson. Uh, yeah, they're doing Dane great. Frankenberger, Larry mm -hmm. Brown. Yeah. yeah, the Transforming Drainage Group is doing really amazing work. Um, and that brings us to, uh, you know, one of the, big reasons we wanted to um or one of the big things we want to highlight through groundbreakers was collaboration and that makes me think of your nominator mel limus of lyco you two recently worked together on our drainage innovation webinars can you tell me a little bit about how you and mel uh, met and connected oh, yeah um <clears throat> so i think it was about three years ago i met mel uh it all came about from uh, the the site in Clinton, Ontario, the Huron View site. Uh, so we were invited, uh, this is well before I knew Mel, uh, by a gentleman there in the forestry department who also has his uh, shop there right on the Huron View site. And uh, he invited us up to talk with uh, <clears throat> their, uh, their, their soil board that had recently taken over management of the uh, uh, of the farming on the on on the Huron View site, and uh, we he, he I mean it it was great. He uh, there was a beautiful hotel there right outside of Clinton that uh, that they provided funding for, and really it's just kind of to come up there and talk with the different folks involved. Uh, so we we talked with the the soil group. Um, <clears throat> And I apologize not knowing the acronym right at the top, uh, but Doug and Gord and Rick, they're a great group of guys. <laughs> and then we also met with folks like Mary from Osable Bayfield. Uh, we met with uh, the members of LICO at, at that period of time that were in the area. And it all kind of culminated in this uh, big meeting of everybody involved, which was just, to me, it was an excellent method for Everybody loves this beautiful farm, this historic farm, important farm in the area. And everybody really has an opinion that I want to do what's best for this. Can we come to uh, an agreement? How, how do we actually go about doing so? And it seemed from the meeting that everybody was in favor of working together on this. Um, but how do we do that? And that's when uh, Doug and the board, uh, they... Uh, voted say well and we were we we didn't 
directly participate in this meeting, but we were there for it. Uh, they said, well, we need somebody that uh, is able to communicate well with all of these different individuals involved. And of course, that's Mel Limace. Uh, and you know, Mel, she's definitely that individual. Uh, <clears throat> once she started work, working with Huron View on the, on the project, it, it was amazing to see all the different pieces come together. And Mel and I communicated all the time about drainage and what type of plans could meet the, the goals for this purpose, for this group, et cetera. Um, and ever since we worked on the Huron View project, and it was really the culmination of the installation day, uh, it, it was just a great experience working with her. And uh, from that time, we really do jump at any opportunity to work together again. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, uh, I always say if you, if you want something done in the industry, Mel, Mel is uh, Mel is your go-to. She she gets things done. Um, so now, what do you think beyond twenty twenty two, and whether that's economic, environmental, uh, technological? What do you think is going to be both the biggest challenge in water management as well as the biggest opportunity? I'd love to hear your thoughts on both. Yeah, um, I think we know in terms of there's two different elements that are kind of come in for the biggest challenge. Um, the first one is growing, continuously growing concern about nitrate and phosphate runoff. Uh, the issue of, in economics terms, the negative externality that our farming practices, particularly our fertilizer management with tile drainage leads to a downstream effect and the hypoxia issues, which here in the States being in the, in the Mississippi, uh, 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 watershed, it, it, it's, a very, it's a very serious situation in the Gulf of Mexico, and it's going to have to take some major changes in terms of either fertilizer applications or drainage going to something like controlled drainage in order to resolve these without it coming to a situation where there is going to be some form of government action restricting uh, applications. So that that is one of the big problems. The other big problem that comes to is uh, how, do, how can we continue to improve yields via managing our water uh, when we have so many existing systems that were installed with different 30, 30 years ago? How do we upgrade these and make them so they're more efficient towards a dual purpose system of improving yields and reducing nitrates? So those, those are the two, I think, the biggest problems within uh, that we'll be facing in the future. Uh, I know we've been facing these for a while now, but these are they haven't been resolved, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, <clears throat> now, in terms of what's best in terms or what, what's What's really going to help us lead to that, I think one big aspect of it is the, the, the type of work that transforming drainage is doing or has done in being able to broadcast the benefits from these conservation practices. I believe that uh, for types of systems like a controlled drainage system or water recycling system, uh, farmers need to know, at least here in the States, that it's going to improve their yield as well as improve the environment, both at the same time. Um, farmers, in my opinion, of course, they have to think about yield because it is a, it is a business. However, I've known most farmers to be probably the best conservationists 
in uh, in the country. They want to improve their farm so it's ready for their children or their grandchildren to take over. Um, and also, I mean, for folks that hunt wildlife, that's uh, conservation as part of that element as well. And having your own pond is not necessarily a bad thing for some of these folks. So in that sense, being able to have a consistent message throughout the Midwest saying that these practices aren't just going to cost, they're actually a real benefit to you. And publicizing that, uh, spreading the information, uh, that is the, I think right now, the best uh, path forward towards kind of working against those, uh, or trying to eliminate the nitrate issues and uh, yeah. how we can uh, work towards improving existing systems. Yeah, and it's so interesting to look at how it's evolved over the last couple of years, because I mean, even say five years ago, um, talking about climate change and, uh, you know, things like nitrate leaching into waterways and stuff was seen as very divisive. And I think um, when I was doing some work with manure, uh, someone I was speaking to put it best when they said, farmers don't wake up every day and say, how can I contribute to climate change? In fact, they want they want to fight it. They want to be a part of it. So I, I agree that those groups are doing great things with communicating, hey, here's how you can do it at, at a cost that is also not going to uh, add crazy overhead. Right. And and I'll actually add on to that just a little bit from what you said. Uh, the large rain events that we've had in the last few years also have been a wake up call for a lot of farmers, too, particularly when it comes to climate change. Maybe it's not global warming, but they definitely noticed when it used to be you'd have a three inch rain. That was your big rain. But now it's seven inches. Mm -hmm. um, and on, on the drainage end, they come to me and say, how do I resolve this issue? Yeah. I mean, I've written uh, feature stories this year, both on what do we do about all the droughts we had this year, and in the same issue, what do we do about all the extreme rainfall we had this year? It's it's quite the phenomenon. Yeah, literally, yeah. And it can be miles from where they had their 500-year rain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jeremy, that's it for all the questions I have. But are, th are there any other thoughts or words of wisdom or just, uh, you know, exciting things in your head that you wanted to leave us with? Uh, not that I can think of right now. Uh, I really appreciate this honor. It's it's great. And it's great to talk with you again, Bree. It's <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Egg Annex Talks, the podcast hosted by the agriculture brands of Annex Business Media. You can subscribe to Egg Annex Talks wherever you listen to podcasts or visit eggannex.com to catch up on all of our other episodes.